0: Now, from the Gospel according to Luke, ninth chapter. Now, about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, his appearance, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly, they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. not knowing what he was saying. While he was saying this, a a cloud came over and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my Son, my Chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a Canadian friend who is deeply committed to the church. He loves the church. He loves liturgy. His mental calendar is more the church calendar than the secular calendar. Last Sunday to him was more the fourth Sunday after the epiphany than it was January 31st. He was part of a conversation recently when we were talking about this Sunday's doings, all the excitement, all the preparation, all the reworking of the day to accommodate the festival. What a great and glorious day, this feast day. Wow, he thought, they are really into Transfiguration Sunday. Alas, there's another feast going on today. Today. Something super. We don't have big Roman numerals tracking how many annual transfigurations we have celebrated. No one I've heard of planning a transfiguration party for tonight. As inescapable as the Super Bowl hype is, transfiguration hype is hard to come by. But then what would we hype? Would we promote it? Would we want people outside of these walls to know this strange scene from Jesus' life? It starts out normal enough. Jesus, three friends, climbing a mountain to go and pray. We'd like that. We'd like others to know about that. More and more medical studies talk about the benefits of prayer. Prayer. There's a growing fascination with tracking how many steps one takes in a day. Hey, you get both of this, climb a mountain, get your steps, go and pray, get your spiritual help, do a little yoga while you're up there, everybody's happy. But then for Jesus and his friends, when all the meditative benefits are just beginning to come to them, everything gets weird. Jesus' face changes. His clothes brighten. Two men appear, Moses, Elijah. They appear in glory, a word we don't use very often to describe men. Jesus becomes glorious. A cloud overwhelms them. A voice speaks from it. And then, as quickly as they've arrived, the two men are gone. After that, silence. silence that's how we'll deal with transfiguration sunday leave it alone change the subject how about those panthers we don't know what to do with glory and mystery all this mystery that surrounds jesus glory god's glory Often silence is the right response. Not silence born of embarrassment, but silence that comes from awe. My freshman year at Wofford, some friends and I decided that we wanted to go to Alaska for January. That's freshman thinking. People with a little life experience go south for the winter. We went to Alaska. Somehow, I convinced my parents that we should go, and we went. And found ourselves in Sitka, a beautiful town, Russian influence, Clinkit Native people who populate the area. That these mountains that sheer off right into the ocean. My friend and I were hiking one day. We. We went for this hike. It was promised a beautiful view of the city. About an hour or so into it, we got to where snow was waist-deep and couldn't go any further, so we turned around and went back down the mountain. Toward the end of our trip, both of us, not liking to leave things unaccomplished, unfinished, we decided we'd try again, even though it was raining and muddy, freshman-thinking, we were climbing this mountain in the clouds, in the rain, in the mud, thinking like freshmen that maybe there'll be a view despite the clouds and the rain. (laughs) Up and up we went. Eventually we did get above the cloud line and then above the tree line. And there we stood, atop a mountain. White, puffy clouds below us. The peaks of other mountaintops all around. We couldn't see the city, but that didn't matter. We stood in awe. Silent. I have pictures from that hike. But they don't do justice to the experience. They don't capture. They they couldn't. Capture the brightness of the sun on those white clouds below. They couldn't capture the beauty of the peaks of those other mountains. They'd never make the blue skies as blue as they were to us. And those are just the visuals. How could I describe how the wind felt, what it sounded like up there? The way we felt to have conquered something that before had defeated us, to to be wet and worn out, but thrilled and at peace. I've done my best to describe it, but you don't really understand what it was like. I don't have the words to convey it. Words fail us. They can only do so much. They can't completely communicate the meaning of a moment. There isn't that vocabulary to narrate that moment when you realize that she is just so much more than a friend. That moment when you held the child for the first time. What it was like when you knew those final conversations were happening. How much more weight they took on when they were. We don't have the means to describe as fully as we'd like. What it is to be in God's presence. God engulfing us. Felt even more than seen. It was glorious, or it was exciting, or I was scared. Give us a summary. But they don't really communicate the shiver that ran down your spine. Or the tingling on your skin. The atmosphere around you, the moment that was unlike any you'd had before. You can't quite get those words out. You need to poet's heart or a songwriter's soul, even to begin the description. I have a friend in Spartanburg who doesn't have much use for the Psalms. He has a Ph.D. in economics. He's a deeply committed man. If Jesus said it, let's do it, it's his way of seeing the world. Jim is a faithful person trust his pastors and his friends when they say the psalms are necessary. When they say that psalms help to express emotions and matter of faith that scientific words can't handle, he trusts us (laughs) because he has no way to comprehend that. I don't ridicule Jim. There are plenty of science, scientific and economic concepts i can't get and i trust any i appreciate anyone who takes jesus seriously glory glory is a word that scientific minds can't get their heads around there's no quantifiable data driven assessment of what is glory it's not empirical. There's not a formula that leads to a repeatable result. Glory is experienced. And any description of it requires poetry, analogy, a factual rendering of it is by necessity insufficient. So much so it's to be wrong. I could climb that mountain and sit again, and, and, and maybe I'd experience it as glorious, or maybe not. The disciples could ascend that mountain with Jesus in times of prayer, and maybe he'd shine again, but who's to say? They went up other mountains with him. His face didn't change. His Clothes remained the same. You can't force glory. And you can't capture it. The best that you can do is celebrate it. And thank God for it when you experience it. God's glory is shown in Jesus. And God's voice told us what to do in response. This is my Son. The Chosen listen to him. We can't control God's presence. We can't manufacture experiences that are glorious. We can listen and we can praise. And then we'll just have to see what God does with that.